This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Time has named the silence breakers, the individuals who set off an international reckoning over the prevalence of sexual harassment as its 2017 Person of the Year. Not a person, obviously. It's a group. This comes in the wake of revelations about Harvey Weinstein and other men. And uh, millions have shared their story. Um, Most of this, uh, the most of the high-profile allegations have come in the entertainment industry. But uh, here's what Time wrote explaining their choice. Quote, The people who have broken their silence on sexual assault and harassment span all races, all income classes, all occupations, and virtually all corners of the globe. Their collective anger has spurred immediate and shocking results. And uh, I think there's no question about that. Uh, It seems like every week we see another um, major star, whether it's uh, an actor or a media star, taken down very summarily after accusations come to light. So uh, I'd like to hear from you. What do you think of that? And um, what stage of this act do you think we're in? Um, Because I sort of have a sense that we're kind of in almost like an excess after a revolution because we're seeing very, very serious allegations, which should be punished, but also uh, we see a lot of things coming to light that, in my opinion anyway, are not that serious and seem to be getting mixed up in there. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And right now we go to Heather Webb, who is the executive director of WIFT, Women in Film and Television, and Travis Can of Navigator Limited, and they are a crisis communications firm. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first of all, Heather, let's start with you. Obviously, this started in the United States. Um, what has trickled down here in Canada? Um, well, it's uh, yes, it's happened in the in uh, the United States with obviously a big focus on Hollywood, but um, obviously this is a global issue and problem. It's a societal problem, as as you mentioned, and as Time uh, correctly stated, um, it's not just an entertainment industry uh, problem. It's uh, systemic throughout our society, but obviously the. Um, Media and entertainment industry uh, is a bit of a hotbed for uh, sexual harassment and gender and racial bias discrimination, um, well well known historically and, and currently still happening. And in terms of Canada, it certainly exists. Um, I think even today you're seeing, um, yesterday and today, the After Me Too that is being spearheaded by actor Mia Kirshner is happening um, and talking about these issues as they apply to the Canadian uh, industry uh, as a whole. Um, I know that there was a big meeting, um, I think, you know, a little less than 
two weeks ago. Uh, I, I haven't seen, uh, you know, anybody, um, you know, th- there have been people who have called out Harvey Weinstein. But uh, uh, do you think that it's prevalent to the same extent in Canada? I think um, it's this. I think uh, Hollywood is a little bit of a different um, system in that it's a studio-based system, which is a little bit different than how we operate up in Canada. So it's, there's a lot of um, concentrated power in a few hands, but it does, it does, it does permeate our industry in Canada as well. Um, there's, I mean, this is certainly not news to anyone working in the Canadian industry that, um, again, there's always been a whispered um, uh, kind of existence of of this happening, um, and I think again, people are starting to take inspiration from the Me Too movement and um, the people like Ashley Judd and Rose McGowan who have come forward. And we're starting. I, I'm not surprised if we see some of um, these things being um, uh, openly talked about and maybe reported going forward in the cane industry. I mean, we've already had an instance of this with the Gian Gameshi case a number of years ago. So it's. Um, we are not um, immune to this, and I think we will probably will see some allegations going forward. Okay. Um, let's go to Travis Can of Navigator. Uh, I imagine that uh, business is pretty good in the crisis communications business. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I think the as, as has been pointed out is that this isn't a new problem um, whatsoever. It's just that we're in a new environment um, that sort of shines a light on this behavior and I think it's what's what's critical is the role of social media uh, in all of this um, in, in demonstrating just how pervasive and systemic a problem this can be right what started as uh, a few very brave women stepping forward turned into an international Me Too movement uh, with with a, all of these brave women and men coming together with a simple hashtag with two words uh, but but certainly uh, there are there are consequences or there are sort of businesses in Canada and, and globally need to think critically about how they respond because um, you can have the best culture and the best processes uh, as a workplace but but bad actors regrettably exist everywhere. So um, we've seen uh, people being accused of various things. If if they were your clients, what would you? How do you advise them to respond? I mean, what we've seen are um, apologies, uh, but they aren't necessarily enough. I mean, we saw the the Kevin Spacey apology. He was one of the first, and that set off a furor because he took that opportunity to come out. Um, we saw the op, uh, the apology from Matt Lauer last week saying that now that he's fired, it's his full-time job to think carefully about what he's done. Um, uh, and um, on the other end of the spectrum for you know, allegations that I think are not serious, this whole business on Parliament Hill where um, a, a, a liberal MP uh, is calling out a, a conservative MP for some stupid comments he made in the House of Commons. I mean, he's also apologized. So, Travis, um, is that the right thing to do? Yeah, I think, I mean, as it relates to individuals being accused of sexual harassment, 
Um, I, I, I think authenticity matters, and I think taking full responsibility for your, for your actions matter. I mean, it's no surprise that Harvey Weinstein's apology uh, went over like a lead balloon. He took zero accountability for his behavior spanning decades, um, instead blaming uh, you know, the decade in which he was born and raised and making it oddly about Donald Trump. Uh, but I think more specifically, um, it's sort of it's how companies respond when they have employees that are accused of sexual misconduct or sexual harassment, because the environment in which they are responding um, is changing at breakneck speed, and there's just there's no room for nuance or ambiguity anymore. And Canadians have a very specific set of expectations as to how they will respond, and it. Sort of, it requires immediate action that protects the accuser. Uh, it requires a thorough investigation as to what occurred and how it may have occurred. And it requires meaningful action to correct any gaps in training or protocols or processes. But are people uh, getting fired too fast? Uh, but sort of, though that, that response doesn't necessarily demand that people be fired. Um, it demands that you investigate what occurred and that if any sort of evidence of wrongdoing is uncovered, that the, 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 the correct and necessary uh, measures are taken. Um, Heather, um, I'm sure that you're hearing all kinds of things, particularly in your industry. How do you distinguish, I mean, some of the stories about Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, that's, there. it's, you know, violent assault, as far as I can make out, but, but a lot of things are kind of um, much more subtle. So how do you navigate between those things? Um, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert in, in dealing with uh, sexual assault or harassment cases. You know, this is not my role in the industry, but, um, you know, what I would say is that um, people have to understand that, you know, in Canada, we have a very clear defini- legal definition of what sexual harassment is, and that is, um, to paraphrase, um, I'm not a lawyer, so don't quote me, but, you know, my understanding, t- speaking to, to lawyers, is that, uh, you know, the legal definition is unwanted um, uh, attention or unwanted uh, uh, advancements or sexual overtones, anything that's, un- it's basically unwanted, it's not consensual, and I think that's what we have to understand, and, you know, whether, you know, I can't speak for a- another individual, but, you know, whether, as, lo- as long as you're feeling that, if feeling that as a person, whether you're a man or a woman, that it's unwanted and it's making you feel uncomfortable and uh, disempowered, then that is an issue and that cannot be condoned, and I think it's not for us to judge that of whatever another person is experiencing or feeling because everyone has a very different uh, experience of that. But if it's unwanted and it's not, it's making that person, there's a power imbalance, I think we have to realize that that is not to be tolerated and, and whether we call it, you know, whether it is an actual sexual um, assault, um, I don't think we should devalue it. Um, yeah, but I, I, you know, the question I have about that is that um, it's one thing if uh, the person who experienced an unwanted whatever, you know, said, I don't want this. But, you know, we're hearing from women who say they felt they could not say no because their livelihood would, was at stake. And, um, uh, Travis, if, if, if it wasn't communicated, um, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that? Well, I think that's why there's a growing expectation that organizations and companies uh, develop 
cultures of respect and cultures um, of compliance um, as it relates to labor laws and laws around sexual harassment and unwanted um, activities. Uh, it, it, there, there is an ex expectation that a, an organization build an environment in which people feel respected um, before or regardless of any um, of any sort of suspect behavior. Now, like, as I said, bad apples exist everywhere, and you need clear and um, easily understood processes that offer um, an avenue for people to make complaints. But it starts it starts before that. It starts with building a culture in which people feel respected and feel like they can work with one another. Right. But, um, you know, we're dealing with things that happened in the past here. So what, what do you say if somebody comes to you, new client, and says, you know, um, uh, things happened in the past, um, and you know I'm worried that I'm I'm going to be accused. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's a difficult question to answer because every circumstance uh, is unique. Uh, that having been said, I think you know you do have to you you can't dismiss concerns. Um, or accusations because they occurred so far in the past. Of course think, not. But you know, Canadians have an understanding that, you know, what was con what's considered respectful behavior today is fundamentally different than what was considered respectful work uh, workplace behavior 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, yeah, no, I, I I get that. But if you have a situation where somebody says uh, this was an unwanted advance, I felt I couldn't say no. And uh, the the person with more power says, "Well, I thought it was consensual." I mean, do you see my? So, how would you tell them to defend against that? Or is there a defense these days? Well, no, I, I think defend is a, a tricky word to use, right? Because any behavior that's unwanted is indefensible. Um, what I think is required is that you take responsibility. There are obviously nuances. I mean, within this within this conversation, what's challenging is we exist in an environment that doesn't allow for nuance. That's interesting. Yes, I would agree with that for sure. Um, I I want to throw this out there to our listeners on what they make of this, and I I, I want to bring up a subject that happened uh, came out. You know, I was away for a whole day, um, and because. You know, my feeling is that it muddies the waters when you when you start, um, you know, making a big deal about things that maybe were not that big. And that is this liberal MP. Um, and she said that she was extremely upset uh, during a photo op. A uh, man, a conservative, uh, made a really stupid comment uh, saying something like, uh, this is not my idea of a threesome. Uh, and she said this disturbed her for, for ages. She got up in the House of Commons and made this comment. He apologized. She then went back on the air and said, actually, he said things that were worse than what he said he said. Uh, and uh, I'm just wondering, now, on the one hand, she faced a huge kind of Twitter trolling of people who were said, you know, basically that she was trivializing it. That's wrong. But, um, you know, I want to know what people make of that. You know, does calling out something like that, which, I, you know, is a really stupid comment, um, 
versus an actual assault? Does that muddy the waters? Um, you know, is is has everything kind of gone too far, or is this a good thing where we're actually going to change the way things work? Numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And um, Heather, do you think um, calling out something like what someone said in a photo op muddies the waters when you're talking about assault? I don't think it muddies the waters. I think it speaks to, again, it, it speaks to uh, in society what we value as appropriate behavior and how we treat everyone as an equal. Um, and again, in how we uh, view uh, you know, people from different cultures or genders, um, I think you know, it kind of, you, you know, people might think, oh, it's just a joke. But again, it, it kind of, uh, there's an underlying uh, kind of bias that is coming, that joke is coming from, or an understanding of what's acceptable to say to someone who's different than you. Um, and again, I think it just it speaks volumes of what's the underlying current. And, you know, it may just be a joke here, but tomorrow might be an inappropriate touch there. Or, you know, I think we just need to, um, you know, it's, it's where do you draw the line? And I know it can be somewhat, uh, difficult and every case is different but again I think it's also the responsibility of the person who's experiencing that to, to say that's not appropriate and, and again I think what hopefully is coming out of this um, open discussion of this situation and these, this issue in our society is that when people people feel they can speak out against it they, they, they feel empowered they can say you know I didn't appreciate that that's not appropriate this is why um, where before people were afraid to do that so I think I think it is good and um, Todd it, it just let's talk about this this um, business of what people say and I can certainly say that in 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 my business in the news business uh, there I mean what used to be appropriate as comments, um, are are probably completely inappropriate now. And I am. What do you tell people if they come to you and they say, "I'm worried because of the way we used to talk," as opposed to anything they might have done? Uh, it's a it's a challenging question to answer. Um, I, I to. Uh, to Heather's point, I I do agree that it is a it is a positive indication that the the Liberal MP felt empowered sufficiently empowered to to speak up because what was said the comment um, was unbecoming of a parliamentarian um, and you know he has since apologized which was again the right thing to do um, but I think sort of you know the apology is only so good as sort of you know the actions that are, that are to come. So I think this was a, is an important learning moment for all parliamentarians and, frankly, all Canadians, that what we say is just as important and sometimes more important than, than how we behave. Um, and we're having, when we're having these discussions about uh, you know, unwanted sexual advancements and sexual harassment, words still do very much matter. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking because, again, if I think back to some conversations that happened in newsrooms that I've worked in, and probably some made me uncomfortable, but um, I don't know. Let's go to Ida in Mississauga. Hello, Ida. Hi. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay. Um, it's one thing to hear about uh, the media people, movie stars, etc., etc. I was brought up in Children's Aid, and this was rampant. 
Oh, dear, I'm sure. Oh, I that... mean, it was rampant. I literally, a part of me has a bit of levity about it, which I'm grateful for. But I remember coming downstairs one morning and in the house, in the foster house, and a man made a pass at me. And How I old were you? And I did a Scarlett O'Hara thing where I put my hand up to my forehead and said, no. Like, oh, no. And, you know, like he was, like he was after me. But nothing happened. Years and years later, after he passed away, I spoke with his wife about it. Oh, in between there, I had mentioned it to my brother. Like, I, I had no one to talk to because then the children say, you know what, you're there for, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm talking many years ago. And the children say, you're there for, they want you for money and they want you for cheap labor. So you, they don't want you for warmth to the child or, you know. Can whatever, I ask how whatever. old you were? How old were you when this happened? Um... I'm going to say uh, 16, 17. So I'm thinking, and like I blossomed. <laughs> uh, that's part of my levity. And um, I had gotten a part-time job, and I was speaking with a woman at work, saying that this man is, you know, sexually after me. And she said, oh, well, my boyfriend happens to work for the children's aid. And I just, like, panicked because, oh, my God, what's going to happen to me if, you know? So I said, no, 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 it's okay. I'm, when I'm 18, I'm out, so I'm moving and whatever, whatever. In the meantime, my brother had gone to the wife of the man, perpetrator, and said, I don't ever want him to put his hands on my sister again. Well, he died eventually, and years later, she and I got to talk about it, and she said, well, he said, if you give me a quarter, I'll let you do whatever. Well, here's the levity in me. Ida? Yes. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I think that that highlights something, um, you know, very important with this. I, I really appreciate your sharing um, your story with like us. It's thank very you. It's difficult, but you know what? It's one as uh, I, I'm trying to button this down quickly, but, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of kids in the Children's Aid Society that are having done what has been done with me. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Ida. We appreciate it. Um, I, I think this highlights, I mean, we're seeing action kind of in the, you know, most prominent, with prominent wealthy uh, people, but, um, uh, you know, and I guess that's kind of an example, but, uh, you know, do you think, um, Heather and Travis, that, that this is going to, sort of trickle down because we're, we're people who are, uh, you know, afraid to thwart sexual advances because uh, they're really dependent on their job. It's, it's um, 
it's not, you know, some kind of glamorous industry. Heather? Uh, yes, I mean, I think, you know, um, you're seeing that even with the, the Time uh, article that was written, that you've got people coming from various uh, walks of life and different um, employment situations. Um, a lot of hotel workers have and cleaners have come forward and were featured in that, and uh, you're hearing more about more and more of that, and, and um, people who are working in the agricultural industry. And so I think it is, I think the Me Too um, uh, movement is why it's so strong, is that it is not just focused on a few, you know, um, well-known, uh, high-profile uh, celebrities. I think that actually, you know, that obviously helped maybe grab the media attention in the first place, but I think you're seeing that the movement has much more depth, um, and it is um, hitting all facets of, of life and society, which I think is what's giving it its momentum and is what's really important so that we do see that change in every facet of society going forward. And uh, Travis, do you see this uh, kind of uh, spreading uh, throughout all business cultures? Yeah, I think certainly businesses are taking a very hard look um, uh, at their internal uh, processes and protocols to ensure that they do have the required um, sort of channels uh, should they should they be faced with accusations of sexual misconduct. Um, but I, I agree with Heather that um, the Me Too movement has demonstrated how systemic and how pervasive uh, an issue this is and how many women and men are, are brave enough to sort of step forward and say, this has happened to me as well. I do not think we yet know um, whether it, ha- it is enough to sort of, uh, it has obviously changed things significantly, but the extent to which sort of uh, it's inspired and caused concrete, meaningful change remains to be seen. I mean, um, you know, Roy Moore, Ray Moore is on, you know, yeah. on the verge of being elected senator of Alabama when he's faced with multiple accusations of not only sexual harassment, but pedophilia. Exactly. So, and you have the, Donald Trump, who is, uh, you know, of the United States. Yeah. Um, in an election that featured Access Hollywood tapes uh, with clear evidence of him bragging of sexual harassment. Um, so and I, I, it's, it, these, are, these are interesting and they're interconnected dynamics. I mean, I, we saw the Women's March, the largest single protest in U.S. history, be born out of Donald Trump's inauguration. So they're, they're, we're in a very, I think, complex and very important moment Um, where the dust settles, I I think, remains to be seen. Okay. Um, Thank you to you both. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we are going to talk about Auditor General Bonnie Lissick's report, which is literally hot off the press and is shining a light on things that affect us all, energy costs, cancer care, and school boards. Uh, So we will be talking about that when we return after this break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, 
and The Garden Show.